you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey, everybody. Navy Federal has a mission to put members first by making their financial goals the priority. Receive a lifetime of membership benefits to help you and your family accomplish your life missions like a full suite of financial products designed to fit your needs. Visit NavyFederal.org for more information. Call 1-888-842-6328 or download the Navy Federal Credit Union app. Message and data rates may apply. And while we're here, today's episode is supported by Kronos. No one compliments you when their paycheck is correct, but make one mistake and you risk alienating your entire workforce. Kronos makes sure that your payroll is done right the first time, from punch to paycheck. Learn more at Kronos.com slash payroll. That's Kronos, K-R-O-N-O-S dot com slash payroll. Kronos, workforce innovation that works. The Around the NFL Podcast. Hopes they didn't jinx the Bears. <laughs> Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL Podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I am joined in a room filled with heroes. Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What is up, boys? Hey, Dan. Ow, I hope we didn't. I thought when Kenyon Drake, Drake coughed it up at the goal line in OT, I thought that was a little... Uh, sprinkle of uh, mojo magic from the team of ATN but uh, the Bears and we'll get to a little a little bit later a tough loss a little presumptuous to assume that we'd have the power to affect any team season mm. in that way they are three and two that's pretty good. I think they're where we thought they'd be to some degree here's a here's a new quote I'm trying to get off the ground you gotta believe oh <laughs> that's fresh that's I've new. heard that before uh, week six, Sunday in the NFL. And, um, Wes, oh my goodness. This league is f***ing wide open. <laughs> Every division, depending on what happens with Chiefs and Patriots later tonight, except for, I think, the NFC South and the NFC West are wide open. I think the Saints have control of the NFC South, even though they're only, like, what, a game and a half up on the Panthers? And the Rams have the West. I just feel like there's never been an NFL where there's more week-to-week teams, where what you think about them seven days ago to now changes so vastly for, like, 18 of these teams. So and that's what they want. Keeps everybody they, involved. Yes. The machine. The machine. To keep churning. And yeah. we're in that machine, Mark. The vortex. This we that, are. There's no, time there's of year, no escape though. I feel like it. we say that. We say that in general. There's This time of year – you're going to have a lot of confusion. Teams are still figuring themselves out. But uh, Exactly. So if we pedal this, we always do, yeah. oh, teams are figuring themselves out till Thanksgiving. I mean, I wish we all had the opportunity to take nine months in our job to figure out what we're doing. I mean, then, yeah, you're going to get this. We're in the middle of it here, Mark. And I could sense it in your voice. We are deep into the season, but a far way off from the end. I, yeah, I feel we like are. we are months and months and months from the season does not end essentially till you leave owners' meetings. <laughs> So don't even talk to me about the season. We have just we're oh, in no. the backstroke into the deep end. Oh, we're in the wilderness. What's going on? We I love entered it. the I forest and we're a little bit lost right now. Listen, this is you. There's harder work in the world than talking a little football. Am I right, Greg? You're right, Dan. 
Yikes. Let's get into it, starting with a big showdown in the AFC North. And a quick pop over the middle, running free. That's Antonio. 10-5. Touchdown, Pittsburgh. you got to be here. Oh, baby. Unbelievable. <laughs> a 31-yard touchdown pass from Ben to A.B., and it couldn't come at a more critical time, not only in this game, in the season. Wow, Bill Hillgrove, great call for WDV. I like to call him Bill Grove. Bill Grove, you gotta be here. That's my new slogan. Forget about you gotta believe. <laughs> ben Roethlisberger connected with Antonio Brown on a 31-yard touchdown with 10 seconds left, and the Pittsburgh Steelers pulled off another one. They ripped out the Bengals' hearts again. Beating Cincinnati 28-21. to They added a two-point conversion and then got the stop uh, that they needed to close it out. The Browns score came after Andy Dalton led the Bengals to a go-ahead touchdown in the previous possession. Uh, all in all, a game effort by Cincy, but the story remains the same in this rivalry, Chris Wessler. It's been interesting to see the relationship uh, between these two teams change over the years. Growing up in Cincinnati, my experience with the Steelers was being introduced to the concept of a clock killing back because they would just win running away and run Franco Harris, Walter Abercrombie, mm. uh, Barry Foster, you know, whoever was their latest, Jerome Bettis, just kill the clock. And now it's like every game comes down to the wire and it's just going to be how the Bengals are going to blow it. <laughs> yeah. In this game, Andy Dalton led two impressive two-minute drill touchdown drives, one right before halftime, one at the end of the game, and then their defense, you know, after – uh, Vontez Burfecht took out, you know, half of the Bengals secondary with his weird hits. Um, <laughs> Jesse Bates got sidelined. I think Darquez Darnett. Denard was sidelined for a while. The secondary wasn't the same in this final drive. But um, after going most of the day without doing much, it was Schuster and, uh, Smith-Schuster and Antonio Brown on that drive. It's crazy. Big Ben targeted 13 different players in this game. And it's a reminder. Yeah. Maybe, maybe the production came late from the two receivers, but they have three skill position guys cross a hundred yards when they're on. They're still very potent offense. This was James Connor and Vance McDonald for 59 minutes. And then it was Smith Schuster and Antonio Brown. I I was going to say before Brown took over the game and and made the play to win it. um, If the Bengals would have held on for this game, you're always wondering when Antonio Brown's going to pop off to the media or have some type of issue uh, because he is that type of personality. And it seemed to be heading that way because, again, Juju Smith-Schuster was targeted uh, almost double the amount of times as Antonio Brown, and and you wondered if they wouldn't have pulled it out, what would have happened. But instead, the best possible situation for the Steelers is that they steal the game and they do it going big bent to Antonio Brown. So you wipe away all that potential negativity. That's why I think it's the biggest win of the day because if you could have – buried Pittsburgh three wins behind you six weeks into the season. That's a different AFC North than the one we see today. Instead, you look at a situation where the Steelers get the road division win. Roethlisberger's 13-2 and two in Cincinnati, which is one of the most ridiculous stats that you could come up That's with. That's the same thing in Cleveland. And you right. watch the game closer than I did, Chris. Tell me that the Steelers have to feel like on some level – that they're back because even though, yeah, you stole it with that last drive, they had 480 yards. The Bengals had 275. O- overall, they did a lot of things pretty well. This game should never have been this close. It was red zone woes for the Steelers. Joe Hayden dropped an easy interception in the red zone. Um, Artie Burns, who gets lost in coverage quite often, got lost in coverage on a touchdown by Tyler Boyd. James Conner got stopped at about the one-inch line on a play that may have been rolled a touchdown by a different crew. 
Um, so there was a lot of red zone action. And my um, oncologist is a, one of these diehard Steelers fans who knows everything about the team. Told me Friday, this is the season. This game is the season. Mm. This Bengals game can can put the Steelers out of the race or let them back in. And to your point, because Pittsburgh now has the luxury of a bye week. Still feel it comes a little bit earlier than than you'd want. But then you come out of it with a chance to change the division. With Le'Veon Bell. With Le'Veon Bell, and you play the Browns and the Ravens. The Bengals, meanwhile, come out this loss, have to go face Kansas City next week. Let, let's touch on the, the running back situation real quick for Pittsburgh because Connor, again, and he has really been a revelation for them. He ran for 111 and two touchdowns in this game. Uh, and Le'Veon Bell, the, the Steelers continue to contend. They actually haven't heard from Lev Bell, but Lev Bell's told the media he's going to report during the bye week. So we're going to see how that's going to play out very soon. After the game, uh, Big Ben uh, had a little bit of fun with what is a legitimately uncertain situation in Pittsburgh. And, and James, I thought, was was he was a bowling ball today. He was all over the place. What a great game. But, you know, I know it's his last game for us So because um, Le'Veon's coming back. But I thought he did well in his last one. Well done. Wow, a wordsmith. And one last, <laughs> one last word from Juju Smith-Schuster in reference to Antonio Brown and Big Ben uh, and the last play that won the game. Moments like this, goats come alive. How about that? That is a slogan I, we do not need. Yeah, I'm sick of, I'm sick <laughs> of goats in general. Goat in general, because now goat has come to mean instead of the greatest of all time, which is literally what it stands for. It just kind of means like one of the best players. That's what people kind of this is <laughs> mean the, it. So the greatest Steelers quarterback of all time. Uh, sorry, Sheck, and uh, the greatest Steelers wide receiver of all time. You don't think Sheck thinks that Big Ben is the greatest? No. Sheck think thinks that Bradshaw is like the greatest quarterback well, of all time. But they would Jesus. have to be the best players at period all right, of all I time. Mean, okay. I, I think, you, yeah. Greg, you're on to something. Let's move on. What a go. Here's Wesley. He's got to run the ball. Jameis runs up the gut. He's got to get it inside. Shovels the ball. It's a fumble behind a lateral with the ball dropped again. And a lateral back to Deshaun Jackson. He loses the ball out of bounds. And that's the ball game. A little razzle-dazzle. The Bucks get close, but not enough. <laughs> Gene Decker, Hoff, WFUS with the call. Oh, they came close, the Bucks there. Deshaun Jackson and the Bucks came very close to a uh, miracle trick play touchdown. Uh, as time expired, but it wasn't meant to be. Matt Ryan threw for 354 and three touchdowns. The Falcons snap a three-game losing streak uh, with a 34-29 win over the Bucks. Greg, the Falcons needed a win to keep their season alive, entering this game at 1-4. and four. They got it just barely. They, they did, and that last play to me was, was a microcosm of the Bucks, which is that, it, you know, it was, a, it was a good idea, and I, and I think – when you have one, you got to score a touchdown. You're on the 20 yard line, last play of the game. That no one's expecting that. And when you looked at and you stopped the frame by frame, and they were gonna lateral it twice, and Deshaun Jackson's wide open on the side. I th- I think it could have worked, but you mess up in execution, and the only reason that you were in that spot is because Mike Evans, because of a lot of things, but one is that Mike Evans didn't go out of bounds when he absolutely could have just walked out of bounds 30 seconds before that. And it's these little attention to details with the Bucks. They miss the extra point, which makes them chase it later. They miss the two. Jameis Winston plays a, a very good Jameis Winston game, 395 yards, four touchdowns. But he has two interceptions, including a killer one in the red zone. And that's that's the Bucks kind of writ large. You know, there there's writ a large. lot there's a lot good going on, it. but it's just sloppy. It's sloppy. What kind of interceptions were there for Winston? One was a bad timing on a on a deep throw to Deshaun Jackson. Their timing seemed to be off much of the day. And the other was one where he forced it. He predetermined it in the red zone, and that was totally 
on him, and he said the game was on him because of that later. I think that's being a little harsh because ultimately they're playing. He's playing with maybe the worst defense of all time. I mean, in terms, whoa, 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 whoa. Well, in, ter- <laughs> in terms of yardage per game, passer rating, and yards per attempt, you they were just are getting mad about goat stuff. That, I mean, you, right now, kind of a reverse sti- goat okay, method. right now statistically, okay. they are on pace to blow the records out of the water for the worst pass defense of all time. Okay. You know, and they gave up 34 points here, which is right on their average. Mike it's Smith. Not, it's pretty bad. Smith it's in the mix. Sacrificial he seems yeah. to be the did, common denominator with some yeah. of these things. Sooner rather than later, Mike Smith's going to run out of excuses because Dirk Cutter is the next guy to go. Usually there's an order in how this works out. Yeah, if, if the Bucks are the worst all-time defense, then the Falcons must be right, <laughs> right. behind them because they're averaging <laughs> about the same amount of points per game I mean, given up. We're going to get this once a, once a year, I think, with these terrible pass defenses. Uh, you heard the lock. Yeah. Zeuser's warming up a little bit, West. so keep winning. I'm up to 3-3. Three and three. I, <laughs> I hear and, everyone's 3-3 three and three now. Yeah, we're, we're warming up. Even and, the Reddit board. And the Reddit board has crashed down to <laughs> earth after a 3-0 and start. But, uh, yeah, you, you kind of chuckled when I locked up the Falcons because it's a high-wire act to lock up this team because they should have been able to close out this game, but they just couldn't do it because the second the offense comes down to earth a little bit, the defense will let the other team back in, and that's what happened here. Matt Ryan, you know, deserves credit. Twelve touchdowns, no interceptions. They're doing their job. Steve Sarkeesian, you'll watch, when you guys watch the first half of this. It, it was shocking though how just easy it was for the the Falcons for much of this game, and they took advantage. Most of news, a bad boy, and like they, they're a good offense. I keep thinking maybe they'll be able to figure things out. I don't think their season's over. When you have one of the best quarterbacks in the league. And I think Matt Ryan's playing, you know, near that level, you know, at least top five to seven. Level. This reminds me of the Bengals game. If we want to see like eight more of these Falcons results, where it's twenty-nine points, thirty-four. You know, please. Let's move on. Elliott to Prescott's left in the gun. Reed Opson, he's got it. Swain a block, block for the five. Touchdown runs it in. Touchdown Cowboys. Brad Sham, the Sham God, KRLD with the call. Dak Prescott played the game of the season, uh, for him anyway, uh, in Jarrow World, the third-year QB, threw two touchdowns, ran for 82 yards, and a score as well. Cowboys cruised to a shockingly easy 37-7. to Was it 40-7? to Yes. 40-7 to win over the Jacksonville Jaguars, who put some ugly football on tape in this one. Mark, Prescott has not been immune from criticism this season. Today, played like a franchise QB. Can't say the same about his counterpart. Yoinks. Not at all, although I wouldn't put this on Blake Bortles. I would put it on a defense that, you know, two weeks running is giving up 35 points per game and absolutely allowed this one to get totally out of hand, out of the gate. The the Cowboys offense, which we've complained about rightfully so, tough to watch, often dull, just simply boring. Today, first four drives, they dial up a nine-play field goal drive to start the game, a seven-play touchdown, a nine-play touchdown, and a 16-play touchdown to close the half. Mm. Jacksonville went into halftime with like 50-something yards, totally abysmal on that side of the ball, and a defense that could do nothing to stop an offense we didn't believe in seven days ago. And then Dallas essentially, they didn't hang on in the second half because they had a very, they had a very, they, they were like quieted down and they were very impressive fourth quarter where I thought this was the most embarrassing loss we've seen for the Jaguars under Doug Marone. They have a strict formula. We've talked about this for two years running now that they have to jump out to an early lead. The Jaguars must get an early lead. And the Cowboys have the same formula. So it's interesting that they were the team that jumped out. I'm going to keep a list of these teams because the Redskins are one of them too. The the Jaguars, though, need to get real with where they're at because they're – 
they're a team and the fans and everything. I think they, they see themselves as one of the top teams in the league. And to respond like they did from a big loss, I think a humbling loss last week in Kansas City and what they really built up as a big game, to get waxed like this in Dallas, like, Good teams don't. They're do not the that. only AFC team, uh, South team that should be looking at things that. That's way fair tonight, and we'll How? talk about that later. Yeah, that's fair. But the Jaguars were the team that thought they're a Super Bowl team this year, going into the year, and the, uh, their defense just hasn't been as dominant. There was a moment when they had like two healthy wideouts on the field, maybe three, and they are they are hamstrung a little bit at that position with some injuries. But they just when we saw them get hot last year and creative and push the ball down the field and do things you wouldn't expect, like today was everything you could imagine about why the Jacksonville Jaguars are not to be taken ultra seriously. Cowboys deserve to be taken seriously. They you want to see this offense do something similar more than once or twice. But the defense has been good for six weeks, so they only allowed 10 first downs this game. They have a pretty good pass rush. That's consistent. They're a better defense than they've been. One thing you would like is that after Garrett got lashed, you know, in, 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 a, correct, in a correct way for not for being so conservative and playing for fuel, he went for it like two or three times on fourth and short in Jacksonville territory. They had a better, they did a better job of design runs for Dak Prescott. And in general, the offense looked a little bit more creative than it has before. We'll see if it sticks. How are we doing with the not-so-accountable hot takes that, that the Jaguars are one of the few teams in history that is better without its best running back? I don't see them as being better today with anything. I mean, they no. This is a bad No, they're not the better Jaguars. without no. Leonard Fournette. No. That's crazy. The uh, – so, yeah, in the last two weeks, they've averaged, uh, allowed an average of 400 yards per game. And once again, and we've been talking about this forever on this podcast, this team is not designed to play from behind. And you can see how these games go downhill in a hurry for Jacksonville. But I do still take them seriously in this conference just because it's a wide-open conference. And also, like we've said, Blake Bortles, he could be great next week. It's just it's, you never know what you're going to get from this team. The defense side of the ball, this just feels to me like more of a slump than something to get totally uh, I, I still about. think you can't build around defense in 2018. There just aren't dominant defense. And maybe they'll turn it around. But they were they were one of the worst teams in forcing turnovers going into this game. They didn't force any in this game. So they had, you know, the pass rush hasn't been the same nearly this year. It's it's surprising with the No turnovers in three of their last four games on defense. They well, might be frustrated with the offense too. Sure. A quote from Ezekiel Elliott after the game. This is the most dominating performance since I've been here. There is one really quick. There is this one play in this game, if you watch it, where where Zeke Elliott takes the ball, goes maybe five or six yards, but right into Jalen Ramsey and just walked, kept walking and pushing his helmet right into Ramsey's. And it was the Mm. that was sort of a backbreaking drive and moment in that game where the Jaguars never climbed back into this. I thing. feel like people forget how incredible Zeke is. There's, they, I saw some poll put up the other night when Saquon was going crazy and was like best running back in the NFL and there were a list of four names and then other and Ezekiel Elliott isn't one of the names. And I'm what? Thinking, I'm thinking like put some no. respect on Do Zeke homework, Elliott. Please. It's probably please. his hair and the beard. It's a, it's a bad combination and I think it holds him back a little bit. <laughs> Let's move on. Rivers fakes the handoff. Steps to his left, wants the end zone, puts it up in the air for grabs, and that ball is up for grabs in the end zone. Don't know if it was intercepted. Touchdown! Hello, Tyrell Williams. <laughs> Ooh, jaunty. Matt Money Smith, and that was DJ Daniel Jeremiah Ooh. with the call there. Some guy on KFI. Phil Rivers threw two touchdown passes to Tyrell Williams, including that wild catch in triple coverage. Melvin Gordon had three touchdown runs. The Chargers. Bullied Baker Mayfield and the Browns 38-14 in Cleveland. Nick Shook joins us now, resident Browns fan. 
Um, Shooky, on Thursday, I was talking about the Chargers. Time to beat up on a legit opponent. The Browns seem to fit that description entering week six, and the Bolts made it look easy. That's yeah, because they don't fit that description. Oh. Ooh, he's already out. <laughs> I'm not out. Come on. This, this is a team that is probably going to win six or seven games and is going to, for every good game they have, every maybe one or two wins in a row they string together, they'll also have a setback. And it's just going to be a little – it's a slow incline with some hitches but along But they've only the had one bad game out of uh, – the first game that was not on defense. Yeah. So I'm saying, but as a team, this is the only performance you, you could look at and say it was a disappointment. I think this is the only team that you could look at that's been on their schedule so far that could be considered a team that – maybe eight to ten weeks from now, we're going to be looking at as a potential favorite in the postseason. I think the Chargers are vastly underrated, mm. and this is one of the first games they've put together a total game uh, in the season so far, and I think an indicator of what's to come for them. I think he'll be fine physically, but there was a moment in this game when Baker Mayfield came out of bounds and crashed into the chain thing on the ground, and he it was his ankle it looked like. He, yeah. he never really was the same after this. Uh, also on the Cleveland side, I mean, just like we talked about with Jacksonville, they had, I think you said it was two active wideouts at one point. Yeah, yeah, because, they're just, uh, they're, you know. Damian Ratley got hurt after going up for a catch in the fourth quarter. Yeah. They, they it's not a good with, sign when Damian Ratley injury is killing you. And, a, the, and he's your leading receiver. A Rod Streeter injury was killing them. Yikes. The Mayfield play was unfortunate because they had dropped the sideline dudes, had dropped the marker on the ground as he was running out of bounds, and he just stepped on it. And you could see immediately his ankle give way a little bit. And he, w he had a bad limp. The very next play, he, QB sneaked it for a first down, so he thought he was going to be okay. But apparently it's something that, that, that bothered him. But he, he, he got beat up in this game. He got sacked five times. He threw two interceptions. And, and the Chargers, you guys love the Chargers. I, this is a game that, that starts to make me feel differently about them because Phil Rivers is playing as good as ever right now. And Joey Bosa is right around the bend now. And the defense looks better now. Look out. The Bolts are maybe for real. What's really interesting about this Chargers team is they managed to find success pressuring Mayfield, whether he was hurt or not. They squeezed the pocket on him a lot with just four guys, and it allowed all of those defenders in the, you know, in the, in the secondary and the linebacking court to drop back and play coverage. And if they can get that kind of consistent success, you better watch out for that. LA's losses come to the Chiefs and Rams. Right. Yeah, there's no doubt in my mind their offense is legit. I think the question is how good is their defense. Right. And are the Browns with a decimated wide receiver core a legitimate test? I don't think this was an, an entirely accurate test um, because of I think the the tweak injury to Mayfield it, it visibly affected. Well, you were you were saying coming into the game this is a tough place to go play a tough place. It had been you know until that, now yeah. Yeah, yeah that in terms of their defense which is healthy yeah and they put it on their defense they've been physical their running backs are playing well they're averaging over 200 yards and two touchdowns a game and Gordon I, and Eckler it's on my radar they've got this hash you know how every team has their own hashtag yep. And, you know, at most they're just kind of very simple. And the, the Chargers used to be like fight for L.A., but this year it's hashtag fight for each other, which is <laughs> which is a mouthful. What a double down. But, but you heard some. Yeah, but I think the point is like L.A. doesn't care. Like we don't like we're a road team even in our home. And you listen to some of the players. Philip Rivers after the game said there would be nothing worse than losing to Cleveland and then spending four more days in Cleveland because that's what they're doing this week before they fly over to London. They're getting banged, you know, in terms of their travel. And I think maybe there's a feeling, especially if they can go beat the Titans. It's like, hey, it's us. It's us against everyone, and uh, we got a little something cooking. All right, fight Greg. for each other. Get hashtag. Excited. And and one last note. It's a ridiculous this game. hashtag. Uh, <laughs> shout out to Spicy because uh, all those years ago he was right about Melvin Gordon, 
who has taken his game up another level this year. Uh, three touchdowns, 132 on the ground. Still remember the quote. Melvin Gordon would rush for 2,000 yards as a rookie if the Cowboys draft him. Ooh. Doesn't seem so ridiculous anymore. Mm. Just a little bit ridiculous. Let's move on. Peterman takes the snap. He's looking left. He throws that way. It's picked off by Jonathan Joseph across the 15-10-5. Rock and roll. The Texans go in front of the pick six. Yes. Love when old white guys summon rock and roll spirit. Indomitable spirit of rock and roll. Rock and roll. Mark Vandermeer with the call for KILT. Jonathan Joseph's 28-yard pick six with 123 to play. Was the difference, lifting the Houston Texans to a 2013 win over the Buffalo Bills. Nate Peterman, who replaced an injured Josh Allen, threw that interception and then threw another one in the final seconds to doom Buffalo. Shook, it was not pretty, but the Texans have gone from 0-3 to first place in the AFC South in a hurry. The wild thing was I spent a lot of the fourth quarter sitting here going, Oh, man, the Texans cannot lose this game. They absolutely cannot afford to lose this game in this fashion to Nate Peterman and Zay Jones and not be able to move the football because for much of the afternoon, they couldn't protect Deshaun Watson to save their lives. And then they got a little bit of a gift in the form of Nate Peterman late in the fourth quarter with that pick mm. six because right before then, they had the ball in the one-yard line and couldn't, put, couldn't punch it in and had to settle for a field goal, and we were looking at overtime. So they kind of squeaked away with this one, but they're back to 3-3. Three and three. This team represents the league more than any other. They, yeah. they could be 0-6. They're in first place, and they haven't played a good game yet. Yep. <laughs> Deshaun Watson was hit, I think, 12 times in this game, 66 for the season. He had two interceptions, three fumbles, and was sacked seven times. And you find a way to win that game. You're just hoping that you can improve as you go because they're getting some Ws, as, as Wes said, without really playing that well. How does the line improve, though? Because this has been a week-to-week ill for them. And I wonder, Watson was banged up last week. I'm, I'm assuming he came out of this without any physical issues. But how long do you, how do you ask someone to last for another two-plus months? You ask your front office to address the line, which mm. they haven't done in a multiple Which they did a shoddy job they, of in the offseason. They did address it, but there's just n- what's available. You can, right. you can overpay for Nate Solder. Yeah. And even then, you lose out on him to the Giants. You decided what, not to play. Out you decided not to pay Dwayne Brown. You traded him instead. That's that was a, that's a fair they made as well. Yes, that's fair. That that's the one bang I got on them about this whole thing. But I understand that he was not content there. So you gotta you have to move that guy. But it's hurting them now. And it's you know this is a young quarterback that a lot of people were excited about going into the season. And and so far he has not been able to really spread his wings. He's not going to be legit. on the field much longer. He can't take this beating. No. He barely survived last week's game. I I didn't get a chance to see this game yet. But like you just have to wonder how many more hits he's going to take. Bills are a legit defense. They deserve credit from they after are. the first few weeks they've gotten it together. They gave up 216 yards today. They're tough. You know, yeah. it's sad that offensively they can't put it together more. Although Josh Allen slowly but surely is starting to look like a semi-competent quarterback. What? Got what, wait, he what? scored first three all, points while he was in. First of all, what happened to him? He got hurt, hit in the elbow. Was it, was it bad or throwing elbow? What is it? It was throwing elbow. What are they saying about it? It, it right was now? after a throw and it knocked him out for the rest of the game. So I'd imagine it looked like it might have been like a nerve issue to where he kept. Doing this like he couldn't feel his arm. Right, and they it's had surprising. 13 points in 12 quarters, so let's come down. It surprises it. me yeah. that you say that because I was seeing tweets before the injury that he looked miserable again and lost well, again. Well, it depends on what you look at it as because right. if you look at it as if he's uncomfortable in the pocket and that he's pulling down the, the ball to run immediately, then yeah, that makes sense. But if you're saying that, well, he needs to get rid of the ball and make it more decisions quicker, then you have a gripe there as well. That's oh. why I say very small. It's a crawl. It's well, a this was the guy they said was not going to play as a rookie, and they just have a terrible situation in general, and maybe – 
He does need more time. I think each game, like last game last week, you saw things, especially on the ground, where you can, you can see maybe why he's a starting quarterback, but there's a lot of incomplete stuff here. Yeah, I mean, without a doubt, he's still got a long way to go, but it's just a little more exciting than, you know, playing, you know, A.J. McCarron like they were looking at going into the season. Mm. Very true. Nick Shook, you came in here and you did it again. Then you're wearing a throwback 1990s Cavs pullover. Loyal to the cause, even with J.R. Smith at the front of the franchise. It's nice that whenever I sit about a foot away from you as I am right now, I realize it's time to reorganize everything I'm doing with my physical body. Oh. <laughs> All right. Over under. Cavs wins. I'm setting it 36 and a half. Thank you. That's respectful because downstairs I had a colleague tell me they wouldn't they wouldn't win 30 games. What do you so you're taking the you're banging over. Uh, over. Let's do it. Oh, to the eighth seed and beyond. Let's, let's flirt with 500. This is Kevin Love's team now. Oh boy. Oh, Here no. we go. Moving <laughs> on. 20 Very games. depressing. <laughs> Jason Sanders. Thank you, 47 yards. The kick is up. The kick is good! He hit the kick! Oh no! (laughs) Jason Sanders has won the game for the Miami Dolphins! (laughs) No flags! It's over! We're off the roller coaster! I can't take anymore! (laughs) Nice job by the WQAM team. Jason Sanders kicked a 47 yard field goal in the final play of overtime. That coming after Cody Parkey of the Bears missed a 53-yard attempt for Chicago. Uh, the Bill, the Bear, the Bears blow an 11-point lead uh, in the second half, lose to the Dolphins 38-28. A huge win for Miami at home, down their starting quarterback. Brock Osweiler filled in for Ryan Tannehill, who was out with a shoulder injury, and he threw for 380 yards and three touchdowns. Greg, wild game in Miami, but let's start here. Give Brock some love the job done he said he was emotional on the way to the game he found out by a text that Ryan Tannehill who practiced fully Wednesday and Thursday with a shoulder injury and now isn't playing and you have to wonder is he is going to be out for a little while Brock was emotional thinking look I got this opportunity who knows how many I'm going to have left Uh, and he responded running Adam Gase's offense pretty similarly to how Ryan Tannehill runs it, where I don't think the quarterback is really front and center. And that, that wasn't the case today either. It was more about the running backs, and it was more about Hakeem Grant and then especially Albert Wilson making big plays off of short throws. And uh, I give Adam Gase a lot of credit for giving the ball to Kenyon Drake on the game-winning drive right after – Kenyon Drake fumbled on the goal line. I think that was really Adam Gase thinking long-term about a guy who's important to him and is a really good player, who's not a fumbler, and saying, I'm going to give this kid his confidence back. I'm going to trust him in this situation. He picked up 22 of the 28 yards they needed to set up that field goal. He got the ball on three of the four snaps on that drive, and they, they go and win the game, and Drake, who was crying openly on the sidelines for a while, uh, is, is feeling a lot better about himself. Other things we can give Adam Gates credit for. Oh, no, not today, Brock. I can believe it today, buddy. Other things we can give Adam Gates credit for. Signing Albert Wilson. Yeah. Signing Frank Gore. Yes. Absolutely. Big game for Frank Gore. And getting the ball to Jakeem Grant every single week. Not making him an afterthought like he was last year. They're putting the ball in his hands weekly, and he's making big plays. I know, Greg, you were steaming – (laughs) <laughs> at the end of this, the way that Chicago in overtime, in your mind, and I think you're right, did not push for this win. They pushed for an excessively long field goal. Mitchell Trubisky wasn't trusted by Adam Gase. I mean, uh, by Matt Nagy. He went against his total instincts, which is this year has been aggressive, aggressive. 
you know, trust your guys. They get the ball in position to win the game in overtime, and then they run three straight runs. And they had been running the ball pretty well, but one of them was on third and four, a zone run into a stack box. And it, that, w- that was telling me they did not trust Trubisky, who did not earn any trust despite his statistics, the most misleading stats I've seen of anyone. He did not play a good game I, today, I, but still. I sit next to Give him a, a shot. He's your quarterback. you got to trust him. I sit next to a Bears fan down in the newsroom, Ali, who – had the same feeling, though, and I guess maybe with some Bear, Bears fans or a lot of Bears fans, uh, they feel the same way that Trubisky, either, despite the growth that he's had in the last couple of weeks or at least last their last game, um, they're not ready to put the game in his hands yet. But you can still call up a safe passing play. This is a very smart play caller and Matt Nagy. I think they really just kind of gagged a little bit. Matt Nagy may not trust Mitchell Trubisky, but you want to know who I trust? Who? Oh, Erica Tamposi. I woke up this morning and saw these reports that suddenly Brock Osweiler was quarterbacking the team that Erica had locked up (laughs) and a team that she picked because essentially Danny Amendola is seen as an attractive human to her. Because he has good bone structure. That's why they were picked as a lot. That said, Might not anymore after today. Well, and I came into the office and you suggested, Greg, that it would have been fair to switch the lock and all this stuff. I knew you thought I would, about it. I, would, I didn't think about it. I would take endless grief for that, number one. And that's a bad idea. So you sit and deal with the results. But Erica knew all along she did an excellent job. And I'm going to continue to seek her counsel on picking teams with attractive players at some position right. or another. And that would have been declined because it was made clear on Thursday that Erica was in charge. It was on I her didn't. To make nobody the pick. pursued it. Yeah. Don't worry about it. So nobody and, pursued it. That's good because it would have been declined. But you know what? At the end of the day, <laughs> at the end of the day, you got exactly what you needed, which was another lock. And Erica, nice job. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I felt like I had some insider information because you know me and Danny are so close. Like, and he felt really good about this game. So you have face. He knew. Before. He maybe knew yeah. Brock was going to play, and that that would be. You leaned on your knowledge. Well I done. Did, yeah. This is going to take a lot of legwork for you, Greg. And it's going to take some extra time, but I would like to see as part of your QB index on a weekly basis. Ooh. Which teams work. play for the field goal instead of the touchdown with the game on the line? And that reflects on the quarterback. It's a plague right Get now. to work it's, on that research. It's something that is part of our Sunday viewing <laughs> why you experience. Put it, why don't you put it in your column? I don't have a quarterback <laughs> Top, index. It's like hundreds of hours of research a, before it's done by tomorrow night. Top 10, Top 10 coaches that set up field goals instead of going for it. This is also your week. This is part of the weekly game watching experience with Greg Rosenthal yeah. calling out coaches every week for playing for the I field think goal. it's one of the only things fans almost have a right to think that they have a better idea than the coaches about. It's like because it, it's it's just obvious that setting up for long field goals is a losing game. And we'll get to it a little bit later, but this is all the same. Also, the same Greg that earlier today was pounding his chest about uh, it being okay to settle for a 57-yard field goal with the game on the line. But you know, oh, with Matt. Oh, Ryan. we didn't even talk about that. We 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 should have. That was bizarre. Well, the they were up Falcons to. That was game. a totally different. That was a totally different. They were up situation. to, but I I still can't. They were going that for they the. Did that. I cannot believe that, and that was a big play in that game. Uh, but. I digress. How about how about Frank Gore, by the way, mocked in this very room this offseason as some over-the-hill guy who shouldn't have a job. Goes over 100 yards for the looked first. Looked awesome. In the, looked awesome. In the has quarter. been playing great in Miami. I love it. What a 15 story. for 100, I think he was. And you, and you can't even blame them for taking him out on the goal line. He said he was gassed, actually, and it was basically his call to have his, his brother, uh, Kenyon Drake, in there. <laughs> That's what he called I, I'm eating crow over Frank Gore. Uh, let's move on. Trips to the far side left. Darnold makes a screen. Fires one left sideline wide open. Making the catch at the 10. Chris Herndon walks into the end zone. Touchdown. 
perfectly designed play by Jeremy Bates. Mm, big play, Bob Wischusen with the call for the Jets radio network. Sam Darnold threw for 280 and two touchdowns, including that hookup with Chris Herndon in the third quarter. Jason Myers set a franchise record with seven field goals from the Jets. Hung on to beat the Colts 42-34 to at the Meadowlands and a rematch of Super Bowl three participants. With Broadway Joe and many of the 68 Jets in the building for a halftime 50th anniversary celebration. They've had many of those over the years. <laughs> many, many celebrations of that team. New York, <laughs> New York punted just once against Indy's soggy D. West. Andrew Luck was up for the challenge on Sunday. The rest of his team was not. I was telling Greg uh, during our Sky Sports hit, this is like the old Super Tecmo Super Bowl when you're about 15-0 and 0, trying to go undefeated and they make you fumble every punt return, fumble this, fumble that. <laughs> Your best players are getting injured every, every – uh, this is Andrew Luck every week. Bill Simmons uh, – because the similar thing would happen in Madden. Bill Simmons called it the no effing way game. Yeah, they <laughs> – Luck on the opening drive, Marlon Mack has a screen pass, screen pass, a basic screen pass, off Marlon Mack's hands, off Jamal Adams' hands, into Mo Claiborne's hands for a touchdown. It was just that kind of afternoon. You know, Luck comes right back, leads him on a quick touchdown drive in which his ball placement is once again impeccable. Comes back, leads him again down there, and Naheem Hines drops a ball right in his bread basket on the goal line, mm. and they have to settle for a field goal. This is just like behind the eight ball all game, and credit Sam Darnold for playing well. I thought one of the keys was you knew, Dan had to know, Andrew Luck is leading this team on a comeback bid, and they kept that at bay because Darnold kept leading field goal drives, and Jason Myers, to his credit, kept making the field goals. That was huge. I mean, Myers going seven for seven. That broke a 50-year-old 50 year wow. uh, mark mm. uh, for field goals for the franchise, and yeah – um, I'm real. I'm like head over heels about Darnold. Uh, you know, they he would have had another touchdown too. Robbie Anderson dropped the ball in the corner of the end zone that was perfectly placed. Otherwise, they would have even put more points on the board. I thought that Darnold, the exception of one bad rookie interception he threw in the first half where he kind of hung one up that got picked off. Uh, he once again was calm. He made he, he puts so many throws right on the money, right where a receiver needs it. And uh, every time the Colts, like Wes said, seemed to be about to get back into the game, and they did get it down to six at one point. It was 30-13 Jets. They got it down to six, and then the, they would go down the field for another long drive. You want some of those to be turned into touchdowns, but the point is there was no three and outs. Uh, he kept the team moving, and uh, and and the Colts weren't, weren't able to ever catch up. So um, luck is great. Luck, There is no question to me that luck is Andrew Luck still – uh, and that comes with the good and the bad. This was a pure Andrew Luck game right down to he threw a terrible interception that kind of sealed Indy's fate late in the game. Uh, that was definitely on him. The er early ones were not. But Luck killed him a little bit at certain points. But overall, he's a stud, and he still is. Yeah. I think it's an indictment to the Colts front office that you've had this time while Andrew Luck has gone to find a support system for his return. And it's the New York Jets, and a credit to their front office, that has a better surrounding cast around Darnold right now than the Colts do around Luck. The Colts are just so decimated by injuries. But this seems to be what we say about them every single year, mm. that they're decimated by injuries around Andrew Luck. And I, I've been Hilton picking— Hilton and Doyle are their top two weapons well, I've in been, a thin offense. And I've been on, a really good player. Picking on Eli a little bit because look what— Luck has around him and still getting 400 yards of offense every game. But this also extends to a team like the Titans 
who aren't moving the ball. The Colts are moving the ball so well for a team that's just absolutely decimated by injury. Was this uh, – you guys have watched all of his games. Was this Sam Darnold's most complete game? I think it was. I You could put – 24 of 30? You could put this game in the week one game probably mm-hmm. uh, neck and neck. But this game, I just thought he was so in control and his accuracy and his ability to evade pressure and, and not force and make rookie errors. He made one, but – I Darrell just think Pryor had a good game too. He, yeah, and Quincy Anunua has a potentially serious ankle injury. He left this game early, and there's a chance he could be out for a long time, if not for the rest of the year. So Terrell Pryor is going to find a bigger role, and when he has had opportunities this season, he's actually done good things with them. So you're going to see more. At the end of the day, the Jets are three and three, and the quarterback is making strides as the season progresses. So so far, so good. This is exactly what you wanted as a Jets fan, even if it doesn't lead mm. to a playoff berth. Let us move on. Marcus Mariota, pocket collapsing, pumps once, and he is sacked. That is the record. Tenth sack of the day by the Ravens defense. Peanut Owasu delivers the record drop down. Oh, Jerry Sandusky, WBAL with the call. Yikes. The Baltimore Ravens went nuts, setting a franchise record with 11 sacks, smothering Marcus Mariota and the Titans at 21 to zip shutout in Nashville West. This was a throwback performance by the Baltimore defense. They bullied the Titans into submission in their own backyard. They dominated this game. They manhandled the Titans in every way you can manhandle a team. Uh, I guess there was a bit of a revenge factor. Their former defensive coordinator, Dean Pease, retired and then came came out of retirement to join the Titans. Um, It seemed like that fired up the, the Ravens defense quite a bit, but there's a lot of blame to go around. Marcus Mariota seemed to have trouble deciphering where the pressure was going to come from before the snap. His offensive line didn't play well. The Ravens gave no respect whatsoever to the to the Titans' wide receivers because nobody should respect their wide receivers. Um, I think there's totally there, – there's no running game for Tennessee. There's no chain mover with Delaney Walker out. There's no semblance of a ball control offense whatsoever with this offense. 106 yards the Titans ended up. This is one of those games you kind of look how insane the stats are through three quarters, and for some reason I always like root for them to stay that way, but usually <laughs> the team just kind of racks up a bunch of garbage yards at the end. But not this game. They only ended up with 106 yards well, with seven point, first downs. He had le- he had less completions than he, than times he was sacked. Yeah, I never heard of that. At one point late in the third quarter, Mark said he's only got 10 10- uh, pass attempts so far. Right. I said, well, he's dropped back to pass 20 times. He's just been only able to fire it off 10 times. Gentlemen, the Titans had nine possessions, and they punted nine times. That's Titans. Oh, excuse me. Thank you, Wes. Yeah, they don't deserve – I mean, like, I get the fan base getting antsy when they have a nice win, but this is a 3-3 three and three team, and the three losses have been ugly. It's, they've been so true to form this year. This, there's been, to me, no difference between this year and past years where they get hot in little spurts, and then not only do they lose, they, they look like a bottom-rung team when they have these bad performances. I gave their coaching staff quite a bit of credit for those wins they eked out early on, but Matt LaFleur, their coordinator, has to be under the microscope. Now, I believe they are by far the worst offense in the first half of games this year. And, and the Ravens deserve a ton of respect for tripling a team in, in total yardage and surviving – what in the NFL is one of the toughest things, I think. When you look at the schedule and you got three straight road games at any point, that's drawing the short straw. They've had four out of six games on the road, uh, and they're four and two coming out of that. They won two of these three road games. They they won in Pittsburgh. They win in Tennessee. Both 
fairly handily. They lose that overtime game to the to the Browns. But overall, if you're a Browns fan, I mean a, a Ravens fan, they've managed this early part the, of the season. The 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 Titans are the only team in football other than the Cardinals that haven't even scored 100 points this year. Scored 87 points in six games. And I know you could look at a lot of people, but I'm also looking right at that quarterback. I mean, you got to – if you're a real franchise quarterback, you need to help raise the team. And there's nothing that I see that he's that guy. Com- that's what I was saying Fox with, with Andrew Luck earlier. Compare what uh, Marcus Mariota's working with at running back and wide receiver to the guy signed off the street that the Colts are working with. And Luck's got 400 yards every week. I mean, this team a couple years ago was built around the idea of a dominant offensive line, and they would beat you up and run the ball, and that would be their strength. And I, good or, for good or for better or worse for Mariota, 11 sacks or 10 sacks in one game, I'm sure some of them were on him, but that's just how, had, how can you operate as a quarterback? They had nine sacks in five games before this. So it's mm. not just like – But they haven't run the ball, which to me with that line – and with the talent that they have in terms of Deion Lewis and Derrick Henry, that's one of the most surprising things. Not that you can't run against the Ravens. Ravens are a great team defense. But for six weeks, they've not been a running team at all. Here's, a, here's some mind-blowing stats for you. Mariota took more sacks today than Peyton Manning took in his entire 2009 MVP season. <laughs> wow. He had more sacks today than Dan Marino took in back-to-back-to-back seasons in the late 80s for the Dolphins. That's why it, it is. Sacks that got the coach, a couple previous coaches fired, yes. too. That is why a lot of it – and I. I want to watch it. I only saw some of the sacks. But sacks to me are half of a quarterback stat. That's what that's yes. one thing I never used to think until you you work football. That's a quarterback stat is yes. sacks. And one last uh, uh, point stat, 77 points allowed by the Ravens in six games. That's first in the league. The next closest team is the Bears with 96. So this is a dangerous Ravens team, and now they're tied for first place. Let's move mm. on. The play, Cam Newton from the shotgun takes. Throws it out to their right side. Incomplete. Incomplete. And the Redskins hold the Panthers. Awesome coverage by Fabian Moreau. Awesome coverage by everybody across the board. WTEM, the Redskins radio network with the call. The Panthers fell in an early double-digit hole. Never were able to dig dig themselves out. Cam Newton tossed three straight incompletions in the final minutes. uh, Final minute leading to a turnover on downs that clinched. A Redskins 23-17 win over the Panthers in Landover. The Skins forced three turnovers and got 97 yards from Adrian Peterson and generally looked like a completely different team than the one that got waxed uh, by the Saints last Monday night. Uh, A big narrative around this game, whether you care to get into it or not, is Josh Norman, who uh, his first game... um, or a return game against the Panthers uh, coming off a week where he caught um, criticism both inside and outside his building and also was benched during that Monday night game. He had his first interception since uh, late 2016, also broke up a a pass and generally uh, was not um, an issue for the Washington Redskins, which is something that they expected more of, frankly, when they gave him that huge contract. Uh, but so Josh Norman has a good uh, game against his old team and West, your boy, Adrian Peterson, uh, in their three wins, Washington's three wins, AP has at least 90 yards each game. Uh, so when he gets the ball and he is chewing up yardage in the clock, they win games when he gets hurt which is an issue with him at this stage, but when he gets hurt or they fall behind, it's a bad it's a bad situation for them. So Peterson has to be involved. I think this is something we've seen throughout the Jay Gruden era, and Mark has talked about it quite a bit. When the Redskins get up early, 
They will grind it out on you. They will run it down your throats. Their defense looks much better, and they can look as good as just about any team in the league. And then when they fall behind, they're a train wreck. Um, I'm glad the Panthers are three and two, and the Redskins are three and two. I feel like that's where they should be. Even though the Redskins have been as up and down a huh. team as any team in the league, when they, you said it, when they've looked good, they've looked very good. And the Panthers, to me, weren't quite a four and one team. So it's like I like it just when the the teams find the the appropriate. I came out of the Saints game very concerned about the Redskins in general. So this is a nice bounce back win on a short week. I like the Panthers a lot better as a team than Washington. I think they just kind of screwed themselves with a very bad start in this game. I think Carolina probably beats this. Redskins team seven out of ten games, but that's Ooh. not what happened in this game. One one other note: Alex Smith, uh, who has been you know on and off uh, this season, definitely was not on in this game either. It should not be um, overlooked that he averaged um, about four and a half yards per attempt Ooh. in this game. Anybody so, else worried about him? That's below the gap. Kind of a bad, bad Gabbard, Alex though. Smith. That he uh, has not played well this year. Yeah, he is not. Uh, he has not looked like the guy he was in Kansas City. So. Um, but still, they get the win, and um, he doesn't that, throw it outside that. the numbers. Dan, I think they yes, should do that. What for one year, just one season? When you say like the Panthers and Redskins, if they played ten times, just for one year, <laughs> have every team play one other team sixteen times and see what where you go. I like this. I, I mean, think about a lot it. of fights. Think how definitive <laughs> it would be. Bengals Steelers for bragging rights. Straight please. games, no players left. Right, whoever whoever comes out on top, then they make a sixteen-team playoff, and you and you party. I love it. <laughs> hey, guys, let's hear a word from our sponsors. G Suite is a suite of cloud-based productivity tools that includes Gmail, Docs, Slides, <laughs> Sheets, and Drive. These tools improve your work life, both in terms of your experience and the outputs you create, hence their new campaign, Make It With G Suite. You know when you have 20 identical versions of a document labeled final and no clue which is the latest? Oh, th oh yeah. that is such a plague in my daily life. So you make another version and name that one Final Final, right? Th that is what I would do if I were smarter about this. Well, with G Suite by Google Cloud, a range of work apps like Gmail, Docs, and Slides let you make real-time updates to the same document without having to keep track of a version after version of a project. And since all the tools are cloud-based, your whole team can access the same document and work on the same page mm. at the same time. To find out more about G Suite's productivity tools, visit GS Suite. No, gsuite.com. That's gsuite.com. Make it with G Suite by Google Cloud. Okay. Sounds like a ripe opportunity for version control, which is an issue in corporate uh, life. That's got to be a godsend for college group projects. <laughs> You're our corpo guy, Mark, because you were really plugged into that culture. No, I mean, oh, I wow. think they, they've got it under control. But if you have, like, 12 people in a document and, like, it, it's a lot a lot. That's a, that's a product for people with, like, real jobs, not, you know, honking about Josh Norman, D'Angelo Hall beefs mm -hmm. or whatever. Get out of my dock, bro. <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> Cousins under center, hands to Latavius. Shoots to the left, gets to the 15. Skip Harmon, the 10. Paul Allen, KFNA, with the call. The Minnesota Vikings got a career best, 155 yards on the ground from Latavius Murray, including that touchdown, uh, as the Vikes became the latest team to beat up on the hapless Cardinals. The final was 27-17 in favor of Minnesota, which combined a strong ground game with a welcome return of their swarming defense. A nice get-right game for the Purple People, Mark. 
Yeah, I mean, you're getting an all-pro season from Adam Thielen, who has now six straight 100-yard performances and was dominant again today. That's a record, right? It is. 11 catches today, 123 with a touchdown. And there were various moments where you felt the Vikings just repeatedly putting the Cardinals away in this thing. It helped. They have not been able to run the ball. We saw that firsthand when they were in that Rams game the week before that and after. So this was a – you get a different offense when you can do what they've been trying to do, what they did last year. And for the Cardinals – I just I think our friend Jason Zumwalt, who is a Cardinals fan and a diehard, and it is a long autumn they're being put through right now because there's not a whole lot to like. If a couple bright points though, the defense this before this got out of hand, the defense did a lot to disrupt Kirk Cousins. I think they had six blocked passes. They generated an ugly uh, interception for Cousins and a strip sack that wound up causing a touchdown for for the Cardinals as well, keeping them in this game at 10-10 to 10 at one point. Then the wheels fell off. Josh Rosen, there just feels like someone who you're not getting the best version of David Johnson right now on any level. They cannot run the ball. I think what he has going on... Is he with, living his best life? I would not say he is bordering on that yet. Mm. There is promise. Sam Rosen... You know, Sam Rosen maybe is living his was best. Was announcing this game, so it was a lot of Rosen. That's was a, there was maybe too much Rosen, but I I like uh, what what he has with Christian Kirk. I think that Josh Rosen just needs a little bit more time here. Uh, that it's I these Cardinals games are tough to watch. What are you trying to say? Uh, too much Rosen. You know what I'm saying, Greg? Yeah. What do you mean by that? You said that. I didn't say that. You know what I'm saying? I'm saying there's never enough Rosen. Bring me all the Rosens. My I think you had, Rosen, you had most Tom's, of them today. Rosen, you had most of them. Bring them. My favorite high school teacher's name was Mr. Rosen. Was he, did, was he involved Rosen, in today's Rosen? game? He was not involved in this Reds oh. or in this Cardinals. Probably would have made it better if he was just Maybe like he could have picked randomly. up a third down because the Cardinals didn't. Oh. oh. Is, is the problem David Johnson or the offensive line or the play call? No, it's, it's both. It, I mean, sure, Rosen. David Johnson isn't suddenly not a good running back. I think he's, he's been just running hard. Good. You can see the explosiveness in, in some plays. So, to me, it has to be the coaching in the, in the line. I, it's one of the more – like the few offensive coaching staffs lack as much creativity as the Cardinals appear to right now. Um, in closing, Mark, are you okay with people that go by the last name Rosen? I I never claim not to be. I don't know what this <laughs> typical Dan-driven narrative is. <laughs> well, you said there is too many Rosens. Dan-driven. I I listen. I mean, t- do you know this is absurd? It's absurd. Let's move on. Get on to the next game. <laughs> Goff is set up under center. Gurley behind him. They'll run him to the left side. Gurley with space. The five. The goal line. Touchdown, Todd Gurley. Touchdown, L.A. Forget the first down. Rams will take the touchdown. Todd's running like a wild man right now. Wow. Is that your neighbor? JB? JB Long? With the call? So. KSPN, I sure hope so. Todd Gurley continues to dominate for the best team in football. Todd Gurley rushed for 208 yards and two scores, leading the Rams to a 23-20 win over the Broncos at mile high. There was a garbage time touchdown in there. Don't get too hyped up, Broncos fans. Not that you would Are be. they hyped up right You're now? You're probably in a bad spot right now. Anyway, the Rams are, in an, are an NFL best 6-0, and Gurley is just the latest star, Greg, to enter that MVP conversation. I love seeing the Rams win different types of ways. You want to hold our quarterback to 201 yards, you know, 50% completion. Anytime, Eric. So be it. <laughs> what, what's going on? I don't need to listen to Eric. Oh, the music was still on. <laughs>
I should just have seen how long it would have taken before she. I, I had even, no nice idea. Song. I, even I had no idea. <laughs> she's busy watching. I had literally no various, idea. She's watching various like Boston sporting events happening. <laughs> that was great. Totally, All right, go ahead. Totally tuned out. <laughs> they show up there. It's a windy, snowy day. They lean on the running game like they did late last week. Oh, I love it. Oh, yes, that's well done. They just punched it in. That is well done. 208 yards and a couple of touchdowns, including the key the key drive late in the game. It wasn't necessarily garbage time that the Broncos got back in this. It was a seven-point game eh, right with, about eight, with about eight minutes to go, and the Rams got the ball, and they, they did what good teams did. They ran out about five minutes of the clock, and it was mostly girly. Problem is, even if it wasn't garbage time, it's hard just to believe in this Broncos offense. And it seemed for a moment or two here that one of Chris Wesley's accountable hop takes from mm. the Twitter show might have come to fruition. We, you, you mentioned, you can explain it. Yes, that either Case Keenum or Vance Joseph will be replaced by the end of the month. And when we saw Chad Kelly come out right before halftime, we thought, Hey, they finally yanked Case Keenum. Yeah, it was a tough. It was a tough moment for Case Keenum. They were checking him for a concussion, and the moment that he got out of the concussion test, which he passed, he heard a stadium full of Broncos fans cheering for Swag Kelly coming on the field. Swag That's, Kelly. It's not going to be the last time this season that happens. It's not. This was a great week for your for your prediction, Chris, because Case Keenum. Through a terrible interception. The stats look okay, but definitely missed a number of makeable throws. After the game, Vance Joseph said, Case is our quarterback, but now we're into the answering that weekly part of the season. Oh, we're also into the answering. Is Vance Joseph still going to be Thank our you. coach weekly? I was going to get to that because Ian Rapport reported that the, the Broncos are monitoring Vance closely. <laughs> what does that mean? Like, well, I would think you're usually doing that with your head coach. You're like following home in his car? It's like and the IRS is on the case. And they said Joseph was taking a little more hands-on approach with the, the defense. And, oh, yeah, bring it up. And there was a spot early in this game where it was fourth and three around midfield, and he went for it. And I started thinking, this is, this is not Vance being Vance. I don't mind them going for it. But he, you can almost feel like this is a call he's making because he's like, I got to mix it up. I got to do some unvanced like, things. Cut, cut to the Joseph house. It's like, honey, John Elway's sitting in, in a van outside the house again. He's got monitoring equipment. He's watching us. Yeah, I mean, I would monitor John Elway's inability to find a quarterback. <laughs> Call, or an offensive line. I call that. Which is maybe the biggest issue. Garrett Bowles, their left tackle, first round pick, uh, has been a huge problem for them. He's in the Mangini vortex when you start doing things you wouldn't do because you want to tr- try to act like mm. someone you're not. I, I totally agree. I And I think you sh- the Elway and the ownership will notice not, almost 10,000 people didn't show up for this game that bought tickets. Mm, that doesn't of, happen in Denver. And, and I know the weather was bad and everything, but it's like a lot, of people, bad. a lot of people left when it was 20 to 3. People started just going, going to the exit, so that's a bad sign. My, my tip for Vance Joseph, uh, you know it's only a matter of time, and, and it could have already happened, uh, that they put a monitoring device on your car to GPS you. Uh, check what? check the gas cap. Sometimes what they do is they put a um, a, a fake gas cap onto your car, and that could be bugged. So I just rip that thing off and lose it. It's good advice. And um, that's a starter. Just and keep your head on a swivel. And watch out for the banana banana in the tailpipe. <laughs> what what always? <laughs> One last thing on the Ram side is just that I, watching every team every week. Like, you don't have to just pick someone else other than Aaron Donald for Defensive Player of the Year just because it's more exciting. Like, I'm not convinced there's anyone better at football than Aaron Donald still week after week. I mean, it's Khalil Mack's got to be It's a long way to go. I'm just saying just keep that in mind. There's ten more games to go. He's pretty great. And one more note. uh, Everybody hates a horse-collar tackle because you lose ACLs because of it. 
uh, Jerry Rice and countless others through the years. I thought that's what happened to Cooper Cup on a sideline tackle in this game. Somehow he actually came back in the game, but, Greg, you said he exited shortly after that. Uh, so I assume everything checks out okay. But it, it, when he got carted off the field, you wondered if it was the last time you saw that great uh, triplet receiver group together. Uh, hopefully uh, it's nothing serious. Finally, uh, or I shouldn't say finally, penultimately? That is correct. Nice. Penultimately, yes. Let's move on. There's a shotgun snap. Russell fumbles the snap, looks, pump fake, steps up, throws to the end zone. Moore is there. He's in the end zone. Touchdown, Seahawks. As Moore goes over the back, railing behind the end zone, nearest the stands, but he hangs on. Steve Rabel, K-I-R-O, with the call. The NFL, return to London. Shame we couldn't give you blokes. What's the what's the, the female equivalent of blokes out there? A Sheila. Sheila. Oh, that's no. that's Australian. <laughs> Dames? No. A dame, a bird. Blokeettes. Birds is yeah, birds is maybe not. Uh, yeah, blokes and birds. Shame we couldn't give you a better game. Russell Wilson threw for three touchdowns. The Seahawks rolled to a 27-3 victory over the Oakland Raiders at Wembley Stadium. Mark, the Seahawks had their way with a very, very bad Raiders team. Appreciate Greg. Very wisely staying out of that conversation a minute ago. Um, <laughs> two things. I think Seattle's going to hang around to the end, no matter what. He's like, that's not about football. I'm not interested. <laughs> no, he Let's knew. Keep it, it on topic. This I, is Greg. I let you guys blow yourselves up. You know, <laughs> this is Greg's <laughs> new favorite team, Seattle. Greg is a supporter, and I think you should be after today. But the Raiders, meanwhile, are a raging embarrassment. This team is as disorganized as any in the NFL right now. They completely vanished today, and the problems do not extend to not Derek Carr as well. They, they can't protect him. He, he does not seem right to me right now. They can't run the ball. There's just a giant hot mess that could do nothing. The Seahawks opened this game with a 14-play, 82-yard scoring drive that milked almost eight minutes off the clock, and you knew the game was over the minute they scored. That's Brian Schottenheimer's wet dream. I mean, they're starting to play like Brian Schottenheimer wants them to play, which is these long, punishing scoring drives, and they look pretty good doing it. And, yeah, you're right, Wes. You, you never know who, what teams you're going to start enjoying uh, during the season. I'm oh, kind of yeah. just feeling the Seahawks team as a team to watch out for. Head That's over all. heels. Not about that. Uh, I said downstairs, they're, they're either the best bad team or the worst good team. But there's, there's fun to be had and, and following. I think they're going to be tough like to that. beat in Seattle. I think their running game is pretty fun to watch. Their offensive line is certainly better, which is a relief after watching them for all these years. And everyone's going to look better against – the Raiders. I mean, it, you're right. It's not just the offense, not just even like I went to, you know, you look at the stats after the game. You're like, oh, how the Raiders do in the red zone. And it's like, oh, oh, for oh, because they didn't they didn't get to the red zone. No, they, and then they did not like reach there. Guys like, you know, you go and try to sell us on Martavis, Brian and Jordy Nelson. And they both totally I don't even sure they took the flight over from the States in this game. Totally invisible. And their offensive tackle situation right now is such a mess. Frank Clark and the Seahawks defensive line absolutely dominated that matchup and that's why I think it was over from the very beginning. Hmm. I think when they traded or I should say they John Gruden traded Khalil Mack it was made clear that this is a rebuilding organization 
and this season was never going to go well for them. It, they don't want it to go embarrassingly poorly, and it, it could be heading down it that is. road. It but is. I just I the only thing I'll say is that I don't know. I think it might be premature to say that the entire decision to bring John Gruden back is an embarrassment. I would say even I if, think even this if season a, has been bad though. That is fair. Even if he is a productive coach that a year from now has them in a better place. Right. Signing anyone to a ten-year contract well, that is crazy. hubris. It, it was crazy, and there. Ian Rappaport. We just need to, time to see how this plays out. It was never going to be a one-year, the Raiders are now relevant because John Gruden was back. I just want to see how it plays out because they're not they're not a draft away from suddenly becoming something that we no, enjoy watching. Because he's getting rid of so many of the players that helped them before. The, the offensive line used to be good, not so much anymore. Ian Rappaport did report after this game that Derek Carr was playing through a shoulder injury that they hope is not going to cause him to miss any time. But they have when well, he re-injured they, it yeah, today, and they have a bye week coming up, so it, it's crazy to look at the the passing chart of where he threw the ball. He only threw two passes more than ten yards. He's an interesting. That's guy. crazy. He's an interesting guy to he only watch. Here. Attempted two that went more than ten yards. He's an interesting guy to watch here because you wonder if he's going to be part of the rebuild to come, and if he ends up being a guy that's traded in the offseason, who would be interested in a Derek Carr, and where is his value in 2018, 2019, but that's all down the road. And and they're not going to be an 8-8 eight and eight team. They're going to have a top three or four pick potentially, so there may be another quarterback sitting out there. You just never know. You could say that about everyone on this roster. Who's going to be a part of the next good Raiders team? The, the fact, if I'm a Seahawks fan, the last thing I'd say on that is the fact that Doug Baldwin showed up and looked like a number one receiver again is like is amazing news and and really augurs well for them. Ooh, augurs, nice. Go back to augurs. Wait a second. Augers. Wait a second. Let's let's know. let's recap here before we get to Sunday night football. Greg drops an augurs at the well. That was only because last time you really, a minute mark. really liked it. And you also had a writ large yeah. earlier in today's show. Somebody's what been have, reading fiction. Yeah, I was gonna say, what have you been perusing lately, Greg? <laughs> All right, not as much as I like. You know, football season makes it tough. Good chatter. One more game to get to. Let's do it. First down, 50 seconds. Brady deep down the sideline. He goes for Gronkowski. He has it. He's been so silent all night long. And then finally, they uncork him in the biggest moment. And now for Tom Brady, he sees Gronk. He sees one-on-one. He sees no help finally, and he takes a shot. Rob Gronkowski from Tom Brady, 39 yards down the right sideline, set up the New England Patriots for the chip shot. Game-winning field goal from uh, Steven Gostowski, 28 yards was good, right down the middle, 43-40 to final. New England Patriots prevail over the Kansas City Chiefs uh, in a game that undoubtedly led to a midfield uh, meeting for Andy Reid and Bill Belichick, in which one said to the other, I'll see you in January. <laughs> you, th- you think either one of those two would be that presumptuous? I don't know. I just feel like that's something that somebody said somewhere on that field. <laughs> uh, an amazing back-and-forth shootout. If you love offense, this was the game for you, uh, a-, a game in which uh, after a slow start for the Chiefs offense, uh, were settling for field goals in the first half. They went off in the second half. Tyreek Hill and Patrick Mahomes uh, combined for three touchdowns, including a 75-yarder that tied the game late in the fourth quarter. But as he's done all throughout his career, Greg Rosenthal, uh, Tom Brady answered the call. This man, 18 years or whatever, his junior, pushed him to the limit, but Tommy made the plays. He did. The, a beautiful throw to 
Rob Gronkowski that we heard, the second play from Gronk at the end of the game that comes to mind. Who was Gronk was quiet the whole time, the whole game. Three catches, 97 yards, all oh, right, I could, I, right I at the end. I could taste the think pieces this week after a Patriot, Patriots loss. Is Gronk done? So close, and yet I, it won't happen. I mean, he's not the same in the open field, but that matchup when he's one-on-one against uh, a safety, you, even on the, the winning play, they were holding him. And then he breaks free, uses the strength. And one play that stands out to me, though, earlier in that drive is Sonny Michel picking up a third and one through trash, which I think has been a huge development for this Patriots team all season. Short yardage plays were big in this game. They had a number of third and shorts where they were able to pick it up. That's a play they might not have picked up a year ago, and they did to keep that drive going. Gronk was quiet for three quarters. Chris Hogan was quiet for five games. Mm. Came up big on that third and one play deep down the field, and then later on the same drive set up the score. So Hogan finally showed up this year. I like it. I mean, I guess you can come out of this sneaky sneaky shot at Hogan settling scores. <laughs> so that, that was a whole baked-in West narrative there and, and a little bit of no, analysis. I he like did that. come up big with the game on the line. That's awesome. I, I'm not concerned uh, about it. We see your subtext there. Though. What? what was I come out of this like completely encouraged by the Kansas City Chiefs. <laughs> Defense, obviously – the consistently lingering issues with their defense, but I have no problem with the way they dealt with this game. And it, who comes into Foxborough and puts up 40 points like this? And with the, they can score points in bunches so quickly. And they had the Patriots on the ropes till the very end here. They yeah, got to stop though. But that's their issue. That's but they're gonna, not. They're not going to play this offense every week. Yeah, but I, I think the Patriots defense showed what the trouble is. You cannot take away Kelsey and Tyreek Hill. Pick your poison, one or the other. Right, and the Patriots defense played well for a half. You know, they played good situational football, but they didn't force any punts until five minutes left in the game. And I, I welcome it. Like, this is – I know you're uncomfortable with it, Dan, this, what? like, offense-led league sort of we're in right now. These are the two teams that have probably adopted – like a game with no defense is what I'm saying. It's not your favorite okay. style of football. No, no, no. I, I don't love games that are no punts and right. all that stuff. Yeah. No, and I, I'm I, with you, Dan. And I a lot of with, people. I agree with you guys. Right. I, I think a lot of people feel that way. And these are the two teams that I think have adopted some of the college concepts and the, and the offense, offense, offense spread approach more than any. And I think there's going to just be more games like this where it comes down to making like one defensive play like the Patriots did when it was cover zero and they went all out to get that one punt. The Chiefs fall from the ranks of the unbeaten. It is just the Los Angeles Rams left now in that club. And uh, more importantly, uh, the Patriots now have the head-to-head tiebreaker on the Chiefs. So you got to track all this stuff. The Patriots, year after year after year after year, get a first-round bye because they seem to win these games and, and they put themselves in position. If it gets down to a, a situation where these teams finish with the identical record, it would be New England that has the bye. So keep an eye on that. The Chiefs, I think, are fine. They went toe-to-toe. But I really do think, and who knows, there's a report out there uh, you know, it depends how much you trust this particular insider, but Patrick Peterson could be on the block in Arizona, although Steve Wilkes apparently shot that down vociferously. But I would be very aggressive on the market if I was the Chiefs because I do feel like maybe you're one defensive impact player away from going to the Super Bowl, and I worry that this defense is going to keep them from playing in Atlanta in February. Are the Patriots on defense in a much better position overall? No. They can't rush the passer. They could not get to Patrick Mahomes on any level. No. This game just played out the way that you would want two of the most intriguing offenses in the NFL to 
to operate. It was right. a lot like the Super Bowl. 950 yeah. total yards, 83 points, back and forth, could have gone to either team. Right. Mark called it the minute it happened when the Chiefs scored on their 12-second touchdown drive to Tyreek Hill. That that just timing wise, that was sort of the best the best way the Patriots could give up that touchdown. And the odds were saying the Patriots probably were going to give up a, a touchdown on that drive. So they had three minutes and ten seconds to work it, and you would take Tom Brady's chances in that scenario every time. So thirty eight, thirty eight, and forty three. That's the Patriots scoring in their last three games. Well, that's the crazy thing is that the off the any offensive worries from earlier in the season seemed to be a long time ago, right? For New England? Yes. yes. Which is essentially how we always feel by about October right. 18th. I don't, I don't think anybody bought into the Patriots are in trouble on offense narrative. They don't look yeah. explosive. I know they just scored 43 points and racked up 500 yards, but that was against the Chiefs defense, which gives up almost 500 yards every game. But to me, they're still like reliant on Sony Michelle and James White. They still I, scored 30-plus in four of six games this year. 24 in the first okay. half for three it straight was, games. You know, a month ago, you didn't have Edelman. You didn't have Josh Gordon. I think both of those players are still you know, rounding into shape in this offense. One last note from the Chiefs defense side. Breland speaks. The rookie, uh, Chris Collinsworth, made a big deal of this. Uh, the, the scramble for the touchdown, Brady's final touchdown of the game, uh, Speaks seemed to have him wrapped up for a sack and then let up on him, which allowed Brady to kind of sidestep in slow motion into daylight <laughs> and then get into the end zone. A huge play. I, I'd be interested to hear after the game. We're not going to hear it, but you'll know by the time you listen to this probably whether Speaks says that he did that because he didn't want to get a, a penalty, uh, which would be a bummer. But uh, he did seem to ease up on Brady when he had a chance to have a huge sack. That would make it would have made it fourth down. And I believe the what was the situation at that point? The Patriots would have been kicking for a tied field goal. At Are that we point. letting defenders off the hook for this? To me, that's not acceptable. Take right. him down. In a tough right. Spot. And I, honestly, watching yeah. it, I think he was just a big guy that was moving too fast and fell. That's what and I'm saying. Was, I, I, I think it was more clumsy. I was a little surprised that Collinsworth was so strong on it. Right. I, I want to hear from the player. Uh, but you could see it that way, and I'd be interested to see what happens. But uh, there you go. Big game. That's going to be one of the better primetime games we see this season. And, yes, like maybe happened at midfield, you know, somebody probably said, see you in January. <laughs> a lot of, there was a lot of tension oh. in, in the room during that whole game. I mean, it was, it was oh, yeah. a lot of tension. There was some fiery in this room, yeah. Right. Just two people Less. rooting for the Patriots, two people. Lock it up. Not so much. Wes, 5-0 and now. 6-0. 6-0. Congratulations. Thank you. That was a nail-biter. Who's, who thinks you're going to lose? I don't. I think you're going straight through this year. I do not think I'm going to go undefeated. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we will be back on the next time you see us slash hear us will be Tuesday, our Twitter show. Uh, so make sure you check that out at 1.30 Pacific, 4.30 Eastern. Uh, and then we'll be back with our next audio podcast on Wednesday. Thank you to everyone for following along on this journey. This journey of analysis, friendship, and, yeah, a little bit of mirth. Journey of, of analysis. A little bit of sexual exploration. <laughs> Sometimes. Dan Hansen signing off for Quiet Storm. The mailman, the old boss, and the loose cannon behind the glass. Till Tuesday.
you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.